Ole Miss versus Texas A&M. It is here this Saturday. Lane Kiffin put gasoline on the fire. We have Joey Ikes to come by to talk all about this game. And we're going to have a good time. This is going to be a lot of fun. Gasoline on the fire. Grudge match. Let's go. Let's do this. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Lockdown Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis, and thank you very much for tuning in to it. Um, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered with the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications and participate in the conversation by commenting below and hitting the upvote button. Um, that would make our day. Anyway, we're going to jump right into it. All right, we're here with Joey Ikes from LockedOnAggies.com. You can see the logo on the top of the screen. We are getting ready for Ole Miss and Texas A&M. And you know what, Joey? This game just got a little bit spicier, don't you think? Oh, yeah, you can always count on Lane to add a little bit of juice to the situation for sure. Yeah, you, you would think that um, juice wouldn't necessarily be needed in a game like this, but then Texas A&M has struggled this season, and people are legit wondering if they can make the Liberty Bowl right now. Um, Ole Miss is down because they lost a game at LSU. It, 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 both fan bases are just down and just look at views on YouTube and you're like, okay, this is this needs something. Well, Lane Kiffin gave us jumper cables. And for those who don't know what happened, um, basically DJ Durkin came up in the Wednesday tele teleconference and Lane Kiffin said, hey, we wanted to keep DJ. We got outbid for him, which is something that school does. And that is in reference to what went down in the spring about NIL. Um, that when Jimbo called Lane a clown. Um, all of that happened and is coming from there. Joey, do you think this is bulletin board material for Texas A&M, or is, are they kind of too far gone at this point? I mean, I think at this point, if A&M needs some sort of bulletin board material, they're doing a whole lot of things wrong. I mean, they're, they're three and four at this point. Like you said, they're fighting for the opportunity to play in any bowl, much less playing in a New Year's Six Bowl or a college football playoff like they thought they might be at the beginning of the year. So if this turns into bullet board material, you know, I think Jimbo's struggling a little bit more than we might even think he is at this point, just because if you need Lane Kiffin to say something before a game that, you know, it's their first game at home in something like 42 days, they uh, Ole Miss is obviously a really good team this year. And, you know, it lost a little bit of luster with, with Ole Miss losing to LSU last week. You know, you don't have the undefeated top 10 team coming to town, but it's still a really big game. And if they need Elaine Kiffin to talk about their defensive coordinator and to talk about, you know, their boosters and stuff like that to get them revved up for the game, there's uh, there's more problems in College Station than we even know. At this point. Yeah. And speaking of co problems in College Station, um, there's – some stuff that's happening there. Not necessarily good. Two offensive linemen um, are injured and out for the year. Um, yep. Three or four freshmen have been suspended indefinitely, including a, I think, a freshman midseason All-American by PFF. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, 
and and there's boosters basically trying to find millions of dollars in couch cushions just to try like what are we going to do what what is going on in college station right now uh, yeah that's a great question i think one of the things that happens you know with these guys that we forget a lot of times is these guys come into school and they're 18 years old or 17 years old some of them and uh i remember what i was doing when i was 17 or 18 years old and if i was under the spotlight some of these guys are under um i don't know that i'd like for my decisions to be broadcast the way some of these are but yeah they had uh so far there's been three you know actually suspended true freshmen that were suspended for um some actions in the a&m locker room that jimbo fisher didn't appreciate um that apparently was handled by the team and there was a suspension issued to a couple of players earlier in the season for the Miami game um, because some guys missed curfew. And when Jimbo, when they handed down those suspensions, Jimbo Fisher took the conversation to the veteran leadership of the team and said, Hey guys, what do you think we should do here? This is the scenario. How do you guys think we should handle this? And they said, you got to suspend them. You got to help them learn. Unfortunately, one of those guys was also one of the guys who was suspended this week. So one of them, it really seemed like got the message. That's Evan Stewart. He's their second best offensive player at this point. He, he's played really well this year. Um, the other one, Chris Marshall, doesn't seem to have gotten the message quite so much. Um, and he was involved in this scenario in the locker room as well. So, there, like you said, there's just a lot going on in College Station right now. It's tough when you're – most of these guys are – super successful in high school because they're the best player in the state or something like that. And so they just run through their high school seasons and then they get to college. And especially when you don't have success right away, even if you're playing a lot, which a lot of these freshmen are, if the team doesn't have success right away, a lot of times it's hard for these young guys to keep, to stay bought in and to continue to work hard throughout the process. And I think that's sort of what you're seeing right now. Some of these guys are looking around in October and the season doesn't mean nearly as much as they thought it would when they showed up at college station. Yeah, there's a rumor that was going around Twitter um, yesterday that some of the players is actually trying to recruit current other players in good standing into the transfer portal. And that's kind of what the impetus was. Is there any truth to that? So the the suspension that that was handed down, the, the rumor that I heard or the report that I heard was that there was some uh, some substances involved in the locker room that were that sh- should not be consumed in the locker room. Um, and in Texas is illegal to consume anywhere. So um, that that was the that was the the report or the rumor that I heard. You know, anytime a team struggles like this, you're going to start to hear these transfer portals sort of situations. Especially, you know, A&M brought in what is considered the best recruiting class in the history of these recruiting uh, uh, rankings last year and they haven't had the success on the field this year so immediately with the open portal everybody's going to say oh all these guys are going to transfer whether that is or isn't the case and so we we have heard that there's a guy or two that are are planning on sort of backing out for the rest of the year and and entering the portal but from what we've heard at least at this point there's not any sort of widespread uh, exodus taking place to to head to the portal and and go visit the portal king in, in, in lane Tip. Yeah, so so we don't have to worry about a situation where Jimbo has lost the team in any way, because I, I don't think so. Go ahead, sorry. No, yeah, because from the outside looking in, it feels like everybody's kind of piling on at the moment, and you kind of wonder what's true and what's not true, you know, because there's so much on everything misinformation out there. So absolutely, I'm just gonna, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of those things that anytime, it's especially because you know. 
in the first year where NIL was a big deal in recruiting, A&M pops the best recruiting class in the history of recruiting. And so we've heard since the spring the over-exaggerations of what was going on in NIL all across the country, and most a lot of that directed towards A&M because of the fact because of how well A&M did on the recruiting trail this year. And so when you see that team that does that, and you you have this belief or these rumors going around about what they did in order to to get that recruiting class, and it gets stoked throughout the whole summer, and you know all the press conferences and all that kind of stuff, um, and then they get into the year and they don't have the success a lot of people are really eager to jump on the grave of those teams and just bury them as deep as they can. And, and especially because Jimbo didn't really back away from what they were able to accomplish. He didn't really, you know, he didn't take the humble high road of, you know, we're just excited about our guys and da 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 He, you know, he, he stood up and, and, and gave, took some shots back at some of the folks that took shots. And so anytime you see that, you're going to get these guys who are really eager to jump on the grave. And I think that's a little bit about what's going on now is just that people are really, as kind of sad as it sounds, they're really excited to see A&M struggle um, in a year when a lot of A&M folks felt like it was time to take the step to nine or 10 wins to get ready for 2023 to take the steps to 11 or 12 and maybe a college football playoff. You know, why is why can't Jimbo get the quarterback situation right? That's a, I, I think Jimbo asks his quarterbacks and I talked about this on my show yesterday, actually, with uh, with one of my coworkers. Uh, I think Jimbo asked quarterbacks to play on hard mode. And if you look back at Jimbo's history, the the best illustration of what he wants his offense to be was back at Florida State when he had Jameis Winston playing quarterback. And say what you will about what Jameis has become in the NFL, but when he went to the NFL, he was playing very high-level, sophisticated quarterback. And so... What Jimbo wants to do is he wants to put a ton of decision-making in the hands of the quarterback after the snap. And he wants to use, you know, traditional three and five step drops and make him read out a progression through three or four reads, find the right guy and make, and make the throw. And when you have the guy who can do that from a, from a a process standpoint, it can work really well. But if you don't, you got to find a way to make things easier for him. And I think you hear, Usually when I hear a coach talk about how we're not executing the right way, the way that I read that is we're putting a lot on our players' plates to be able to do, and they're not handling it very well. And as a, you know, as a fan or media member, I kind of say, we need to back off of what we're asking them to do and make it easier for them to execute, as opposed to just going to the press every week and saying, we need to execute better. We need to execute better. The plays were there. We need to execute. Because if they're, the plays are there, but they can't execute them, then they're not really there in practice. I think that's what's going on. I think Jimbo just asks a little bit too much of his quarterbacks at times, and it turns into a problem for those guys. All right. Whenever we come back, we're going to get into the game tomorrow. We're going to talk about Devin A-Chain. We're going to talk about the Ole Miss run defense. That's the primary key to the game. But first, I do want to tell you about my friend Jimbo. He'd hide in the office bathroom every 30 minutes to dry off his armpit so no one would see the sweat circles under his arms. He finally has his life back because of sweat block. Jimbo was able to fix his problem with sweat block. It gives you confidence to wear what you want to wear without embarrassing underarm sweat and boosters breathing down your neck. The sweat block wipes are featured and tested by Rachel Ray on her show by firefighters. If you or somebody you love are experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try sweat block. Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON, that's two words, 
at sweatblock.com. It's also available at Amazon. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss and Locked On Aggies podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including iTunes and Spotify. Do us a favor, leave a five-star review. You can say whatever you want to say, just leave a five-star review. That way, whenever somebody searches Ole Miss podcast or Texas A&M podcast, the Locked On Aggies show or the Locked On Ole Miss show comes up, and that will help us out in the Google machine. We appreciate that very much. I'm here with Joey Ikes. We're going to start talking about the football game finally. And there's really one key in this game, I think. Texas A&M offensively has been Devin A. Chain and the rest. That, yep. that, that's kind of their identity this year. The last three weeks, Ole Miss has leaked on run defense, and teams have been able to take advantage of that. So this weekend, the key to the game, in my opinion, will be will Lane Kiffin and Chris Partridge be able to duct tape that run defense up or will Devin A-Chain have a big game? Because the way I see it, if Ole Miss can hold A-Chain to 90 to 120 yards, just a normal day, I think Ole Miss can potentially win this game. If Devin A-Chain goes off, Ole Miss will lose this game. That's how important this is. Yeah, absolutely. The, the thing that A&M has struggled with more than anything else throughout the course of the season has been building any sort of consistency on the offensive side of the ball. And so – the only real consistent aspect of their offense, like you mentioned, has been Devon Aching. And just to illustrate how much he really is the entire offense, he has over twice as many total scrimmage yards as any other player on the AM offense. The only guy within 400 yards of him is Evan Stewart, who has almost exactly 400 yards less than, than Devon Aching has. So it literally is. Devon A-Chain and the rest, like you said. And he does it as a receiver. He does it as a runner. And so if he – if he and he also does it as a kick returner where he's one of the best in the country too. So the games where A&M is able to put up points when they when they happen, which isn't very often, it's uh, it's from Devon A-Chain who, who has five touchdowns on the season and nobody else on the team has more than two. So it's a it, – it's the Devon A-Chain show. And if, if – if Ole Miss continues, like you said, to have trouble stopping the run, um, they will just keep going to him, and they will keep using him, and he will get a ton of touches, and he will he will break. He's a he's an All American level track sprinter who is. There's been conversations about trying to see it or seeing if he's going to try to pursue the Olympics in track in 2024, in addition to pursuing the NFL. So um, he's that kind of elite speed, but he's also extremely good change of direction very good feel in space and in confined spaces, which he's not a big back. So you'd think he'd struggle a little bit in those tight spaces, but he does really well. So you're right. It's the Devin A chain show in terms of the AM offense, because the passing game has just been abysmal. for the most part. Now has Devin A chain or Devon, sorry, Devon A chain. Um, his, his success running the football, is it mostly outside? Is it mostly inside? How does that look? So a lot of it is outside just because of the speed. Like he can get to the corner and the, the way he can mess with defenders angles at the edge is, uh, is really remarkable, but he's also incredibly good on inside zone type runs where you have to cut back. And if the offensive line creates a crease for him, that speed and acceleration pops inside, just like it pops outside. And if, if he gets uh, a lot of the runs, A&M runs are sort of delayed inside zone draw type plays. And if it sets up right, he has the ability to pop it. And he pops a lot of big runs up the middle. But he's he's extremely dangerous, really, in both ways. 
but um, but you'll see it it pops a little bit more when it's inside but he's very consistent to the outside yeah he's a good runner and, and last year when Ole Miss beat Texas A&M the comeback was led by Devon A. Chang mm-hmm. it was because of him that they were able to get back in that game so there's going to be a little bit and then you have DJ Durkin and Lane Kiffin who each know one another's weaknesses so Absolutely. you're going to see Ole Miss do things that DJ Durkin hates when other teams do, and you're going to see DJ Durkin do things that Lane Kiffin hates when other pe- people do. So it, there's a lot of interesting stuff. Let's let's flip side of the ball before we get into our protection segment and go into the third segment like that. Texas A&M's run defense has not been particularly good this year, nope. right? No, absolutely. And that's one of the things I was going to bring up here in just a second was it's almost the same conversation you know, flipped on both sides of the ball when each team has the ball is that they haven't given up a huge, a ton of huge runs, but they've just been very consistent. They put a lot of teams in, you know, third and two every series or something like that, which means that's how Appalachian State beat them is they just put them in, they were in third and two every series and would run for three yards and convert and just held onto the ball forever because they were willing to take the three or four yard gain over and over and over and over again. And with the way Ole Miss has run the ball this year, um, it would not be shocking at all to see, for me, to see um, Mississippi Ole Miss have a lot of success um, running the ball downhill right at AM. I will say um, AM got their best defensive lineman, McKinley Jackson, back a couple of weeks ago against Alabama, was his first game. And it's been a lot better on the ground since then. He's a 325 pound nose tackle who's, you know, he is their best defensive lineman. And so having him back makes a big difference. But it, it, they've still given up way too many rushing yards per game this year and uh, and probably will continue to do that this week against a good Ole Miss running game. For sure. Now, part of that is it, A&M's defense and their roster, they are supremely talented. Lane Kiffin called them a top-five team in the country talent-wise mm-hmm. if you just look at their roster. Now, is their struggle in the run game because they are so pass-defense heavy? heavy? Yeah, I mean, I think there, there's been a lot of – we spent two or three weeks in, in Aggieland talking about three-man fronts versus four-man fronts and the DJ Durkin's playing the wrong front and they're giving up all these yards on the ground because he's playing three-man fronts and all that kind of stuff. And so I think you could argue that they're willing to give up the three- and four- or five-yard run to not give up the 40-yard pass or the 20-yard pass. Um, but in a game like this against a team for, for Ole Miss that is – really run heavy both in terms of you know attempts and in and yardage and production um i think we've seen them make some adjustments the last couple of weeks to get a little bit better um but I, I think the main struggle for this defense is that they're extremely talented but they're extremely young like there's a 17 year old who's supposed to be in high school still who's playing a significant rotational role as a defensive end on this team who reclassified into the 22 class to to go to a m this year and so, yeah, uh, he's, he should be a senior in high school, should be one of the top players in the 2023 class, reclassed in April. His name's LT Overton. Um, he, he reclassed into 2022 in, like, February or March and, uh, and wound up at A&M in, in the fall. And it's, it's, I, I assumed when he signed up he'd be sort of a red shirt, but he wanted to get on campus and he wouldn't play very much. Um, and then he's played in every game and played meaningful snaps and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's pretty remarkable how young they are. Um, And I think a lot of it comes down to that is these guys don't necessarily, a lot of them are still building up the the college bodies to play against some of these grown men they're playing against in the. 
You know, um, this is kind of a joke, and I'm not talking trash at all. I'm, I'm not doing that in a little bit. But I have a joke that I like to say, and I think you might get this better um, than most everybody else. But I say that Haynes, King th- Haynes King's throwing motion makes Tim Tebow look like Dan Marino. Yeah, and, it's, uh, it's rough sometimes, for sure. Yeah, it, it reminds me of an old-timey baseball pitcher. Yeah. Him throwing the football. It, it's bizarre. And so my question is, in the Alabama game, you had one play to go. A timing pass with his release is going to be difficult. Why was that play called? So what, what was said after the game was that that was the same play that they called on a touchdown pass earlier or on a, yeah, on a touchdown pass earlier in the game that he threw to the, he threw to the other side of the concept where he threw to the three man side. Uh, but that something about that read told him that he needed to go to the single side over there, Evan Stewart. Um, and he just didn't make a good pass. But yeah. I don't think it was a great play call. I think you got to have the thing. I brought this up right after that game was that like, if that play is your only play that you have for, one play to go from the two yard line and get in the end zone. That's basically a two point conversion situation. You would assume that going into a game, you'd have two or three two yard goal line plays for two point conversions that you are absolutely in love with. And if that's one of them, that's a huge problem. And if they didn't have them, that might even be a bigger problem. Well, I think the main two point play was already used. That was a tight end throwback play that had the wide open receiver in the end zone earlier in the game. That that I think if that was their druthers, they would have used that play in that situation, but they had already used it, so Maybe they so. kind of yeah, shot absolutely. that bullet. Yeah, yep. It, that's that's one of those things about you get in these games and you got to come back, so you shoot all your bullets, and then you get to that last play, and your your clip's empty in terms of what you have left to uh, what you have left to use. It's just such a difficult situation playing Alabama. It doesn't matter how talented you are; they just pressure you on so many different levels. It, all parts of the game. I mean, yep. the coach is feeling it. The quarterback's feeling it. Heck, the slot receiver's feeling it. It's yep, just – absolutely. It's like a boa constrictor thing go. And if you can fight that and get the win, that's the reason people celebrate it so much. Because yeah. we have 15 years of seeing that now. Yep, and, absolutely. Yeah, you went through it last year when Zach yep. Calzada pulled out the unthinkable. I went through it in 14 and 15. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Johnny Manziel – Yep. That's the reason I think people take those wins over Alabama so big because of all the pressure they put on you on all the players. Not to mention they're probably the most talented team on everybody's schedule. The only person yep, that's close absolutely. to them is Kirby Smart in Georgia. So, yeah. hey, congratulations for even getting to that situation to where you have that past. And and hopefully in um, after the A&M game, after the bye week, Ole Miss can be in a similar situation as well but we're going to take a short break when we come back we're going to talk about what we're watching in this game and we're going to give our predictions as well so stick around all right thanks for making the locked on Ole Miss and locked on Aggies podcast your first listen every day we are free and available wherever you get your podcast including YouTube do us a favor subscribe to the YouTube channel hit the bell for notifications and of course participate in the conversation by commenting below and upvoting the video as well. I'm here with Joey Ikes. We are talking Ole Miss and Texas A&M. We had a little gasoline thrown on the fire yesterday when Lane Kiffin decided to be Lane Kiffin, which, you know, once or twice a year that happens. Um, but it's an interesting situation. Now, I tell people all the time, I'm a homer. 
you know, I can look at it objectively and I have problems, but I'm a homer. So I look at this game and I think Ole Miss is going to win this game. I think Ole Miss is going to win this game because I think their run offense can take advantage of A&M's run defense. And I think they will put enough of a Band-Aid on to where Devin A-Chain, he has to come out of the game eventually. Yeah. Ole Miss has two or three guys they can put back there. A-Chain is only one guy. And and just those numbers is the reason I think I'm leaning um, Ole Miss in this game. What about you? Yeah, I I tend to agree with you in that, and this has just become my core belief about this A&M team over the course of the season. I just don't think they can score enough to compete with good teams. And so it's just one of those things that until – and there's a little quarterback situation going on where Haynes King got hurt in the second half against South Carolina and Connor Wigman, who everybody has wanted to see for a few weeks now, got out there. And you talked about Haynes King's throwing motion and the way the ball looks coming out of his hand. And it was just stark how different (laughs) it looked, especially because it went – it literally happened within a series. And Haynes King rolls out and throws the ball – and then and hurts his shoulder, and you know nobody wants to see a guy get hurt. Um, and then Connor Wigman comes into the game, and it's a second down and ten, so they got to throw the ball twice. And he comes out and throws two strikes immediately, bam, bam, and two back-to-back plays. Guy gets tackled short of the sticks on third down, so they don't convert. But it was just, it was very, it was stark how different it looked. And so, but unless Connor Wigman comes in and starts, winds up starting this game, and they show a bunch of different things on offense, I just don't think A&M can score. And I think, like you mentioned, Lane threw some gasoline on the fire, and we, we know Lane has the ability to dial some things up whenever he whenever he wants to put on a show, and, and he won't. He's not the kind of guy who's going to take his foot off the gas pedal whenever he wants to score a bunch of points on somebody and send a message either. So I just have a feeling a and won't be able to score with Ole Miss, and that Ole Miss will wind up winning. Part of it makes me think if Lane Kiffin did what he did on Wednesday, he's supremely confident. He's seen something yeah. on film. Yeah. Um, yeah. to, to where he feels like it's going to be okay. Now, it could absolutely backfire. It's a football game. Anybody can win the game. You're, yep. Nobody is going to go 100% on the predictions. If you could, if I could, I would be Biff Tannen. You know? There you go. Yeah, um, but Connor Wiegman, we're gonna, right before we get to our predictions, Connor Wiegman, he, he's a good little quarterback, isn't he? Yeah, he it, is. And it's one of those, like we mentioned earlier, Jimbo asked his quarterbacks to sort of play on hard mode. But he's been talking since camp about how good Connor has looked and how much they trusted Connor if they needed to play him. That you know they were trying to play the veterans because they're you know they're trying to win a lot of games this year. Um, but they were trying to play the guys who'd been around because of the fact that the system is what it is. But they they trust him and they came out and I mean they made a comeback on South Carolina with Connor Wigman as the quarterback and got to another point where they had you know plays to throw the ball in the end zone to try to score a touchdown. Um, to win the game weren't able to execute but you know that's a Hail Mary that's the kind of stuff that happens but yes I think they have a lot of confidence in Connor Wigman and he uh, I think that's it's merited and it's granted to the the confidence that they have in him and I think that you got to have some sort of life in this offense to save this season and to save recruiting going forward they have zero offensive skill players or quarterbacks in their recruiting class for 20 no running backs, no tight ends, no wide receivers, and no quarterbacks because nobody wants to sign up to play in an offense that looks like this one looks. So they're they're trying to save a lot more than just a, a Liberty Bowl berth right now with their offense. So that that's so, that's a big story for sure going into the game. So thinking about how how close is Jimbo to just playing the kids? 
I mean, he's been playing the kids throughout the whole season. Like the, the freshmen have played a ton. Cam Dewberry, one of the offensive linemen, uh, got his first real action against Alabama and then started against South Carolina. They played nine true freshmen on defense in the first week of the year, and they, they've played a ton of them throughout the year. Um, it's they played a bunch of the young kids. I think that's part of why things have been so inconsistent as these guys trying to sort of find their footing. But I, I don't think he's far from from putting Connor Wigman in there and saying, okay, we got to we got to put some stuff on tape for this year, uh, and then and then hope we can roll into next year with an answer at quarterback instead of questions at quarterback like you've had for a couple. Yeah, and uh, it's a situation on the other side of the field. If Ole Miss successfully runs the ball, which they have against several teams, they put up decent numbers. Let's say if they get up north of 260 yards in a game, um, A&M has no shot in this game. They will keep it going. Even even best-case scenario for A&M would look like the Ole Miss-Auburn game. Um, So they're going to have to stack the box to try and take away the run. They're going to have to do that. DJ Durkin, we talked about what he does and how he does it, and and being really careful about the pass. Well, this is a game where he's probably not going to be careful about the pass. He's not going to be able to do that, right? Yeah, I think you're right. And, and even if they start in light boxes, these guys, the the safeties that they have and the, the slot players that they have, they're going to have to be supremely keyed in on coming downhill for the run, which you know then makes them susceptible to play action and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see what Durkin does in his first matchup with his old boss and how they sort of handle that uh, dynamic considering, you know, how productive Ole Miss has been against the run or as a running team. And then what they, they know that their offense isn't going to just put up huge plays and score a bunch of points, even if they only have, you know, 25 minutes of time of possession. So they, they're going to feel like they can't just let Ole Miss hold on to the ball and move down the field and kind of control the game like that. They're going to feel like they have to, uh, put pressure on them and, and really try to generate some big plays, which they've been pretty good at this year, and it sort of saved the team's bacon a few times. For sure. Yeah, it's a good team. A&M is probably the second most talented team of players that Ole Miss is going to play. This season just hadn't really worked out for him. Absolutely. Joey, what is your score prediction for the game? Oh, that's a great question. I think it probably winds up being somewhere in the neighborhood of Ole Miss 31 a&M 24 or something like that, which 24 would be up there with A&M's highest scoring production of the season, which is telling. But I think it winds up being about a touchdown win for Ole Miss. It'll be close because it's at, it's at Kyle Field and College Station. Uh, but I think I think the Ole Miss offense will wind up being too much for the A&M offense to keep up with. And I think Ole Miss probably wins 31-24. Yeah, I, I think that Zach Evans hopefully will be back for this game. He's a Houston kid. He's going to want to play in this game against A&M because they're right down the road. I think he's going to perform pretty well. He does really well on the outside zones, kind of like um, Devon A-Chain does um, as well. I think I'm looking at a 27-20 to 20 or a 34-27 type game as well. So yep. we're, we're kind of right there. That feels about right, absolutely. All right. Um, Joey Ikes joined us today. Thank you very much for doing that. Um, this crossover is going to go up. Give give Joey a subscribe if you're watching on the Ole Miss page. And if you're not an M fan, come over and see me as well. Absolutely. I'm a super homer, Absolutely. but I'm, I'm a fairly nice guy. <laughs> there um, you go. But anyway, for Joey, I'm Steve. We'll see you next time.